Hello, everybody. I'm super, super, super excited to be here as per usual um, as we talk about navigating mindfulness. I'm one of your co-hosts, the glorious Cheryl Sutherland. And with me, I have my other co-host, Lisa McHale. Yes. Who's like in the bush right now reporting live. <laughs> um, of course, this is where we come to talk about how we are applying mindfulness, personal growth strategies to all areas of our life, especially as we are growing our own businesses and, you know, just steeping into uh, our new evolved version of us. Um, today we have one of my favorite people and I don't say that lightly because like there are, I could count on my hands how many favorite people I have. Um, Trista has been a friend of mine for the last couple of years and we originally met actually at Make Lemonade, this glorious co-working space in downtown Toronto. And I mean, we instantly clicked. Uh, she was amazing, had great hair color. It's a thing that she did. There was like a bob happening. It was amazing. Um, however, as we've got to know each other through the years and work on different projects, it's really come up not only how very cognizant she is about who she is, what she's creating, what she wants to create. Um, I've also seen her grow, grow through the evolution of her brand and move in a, a couple different ways. The reason I decided that I wanted to have her on was because we were having a conversation about transitions and there's been multiple transitions that I've seen her go through within her business within her companies and then we shared a, a lot about transitions that she was going through in her life and how she's chose to see those as opportunities for growth versus getting stuck in them or suffering through them um, so I guess a, a lovely quick intro on Trista um, Trista DeVries, I'm, oh, I'm going to do the, the fake bio voice again. You ready? Trista DeVries is a brand expert, marketing junkie, and web designer, and founder of Trista DeVries & Co., a Toronto-based branding and marketing agency. Trista is passionate about helping purpose-driven, heart-centered business owners grow their businesses their way. After nine years in business, she knows exactly what it's like to hustle too hard for customers, hit a growth plateau and feel the fear and do it anyway. Now she shows other business owners how to create brands that connect with their dream customers and grow with ease and thrive. When not consuming everything she finds about marketing or brand design, she can be found cross-stitching in a park with her three-legged wonder dog or binge watching a Netflix show with her husband. With that, I am so excited to announce and, and bring in Trista. Hey, Trista. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> that was a very, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all flushed now because that was a very glowing introduction. Thank you so much. Those are lovely things that you said about me. <laughs> well, they're all lovely things that you wrote, so. <laughs> oh, I, no, I meant the part before that. <laughs> oh, the part before that. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's just so fun, I think, in able to have, like, conversations with people that not only that you've seen them grow, um, but also, like, understand that not everybody has those same tools and those same abilities to grow through those things and allow those things to happen. So super, super proud of you. Um, so I guess let's get into it. Let's get into the juice. Uh, Lisa, before we get started, do you have any, like, today's episode is about transition. So transitioning through businesses, transitioning through life. I know for myself, I've been through a plethora of transitions. Like some people are like, your life is either a shit show or it's going to be a really great lifetime movie. I don't know. Whatever way that works out. Um, so I know I've had my handful. Lisa, what about you? What are the transitions that you've grown through and gone through so far? Um, so it's been, I mean, the business itself is from 2003 and I was involved from the beginning. So, uh, in, in Elias, like a, a couple of highlights obviously stick out, um, cutting checks for payroll before going to the hospital to give birth to my 11 year old. Uh, that was a pretty big one. Like people laugh all the time at that story, but it's like payday, people got to get paid. Right. And then I can go give birth. <laughs> So that's one. Um, two is uh, my separation from uh, my ex. I was pretty uh, turmoilous. So when I was listening to you talk about the bio, one of the questions I definitely want to ask Trista is like, um, what gives her or what tools does she have in her belt that allows her to transition equally well through life changes, right? So when we talk about transition, 
what is it that she does or what keeps her focused to, to do that. So uh, those are my two big highlight uh, transitions is, is obviously the birth of my daughter and, and separating. Those have been probably the, the top two, the top two uh, transition changes. Oh, Thanks for asking. What about you, girlfriend? Oh, me. Oh, God. Give I us a Lifetime movie. A Lifetime oh, movie. Well, I mean, like, it's out in the open now about um, in moving to California. Of course, you know, instead of working for, uh, like, regular businesses, choosing to start my own business and, like, be, like, full-on an entrepreneur um, and relying on, like, my savings and working and just really doing a lot of figuring out, you know, and I think... Um, one of the biggest transitions and I guess the most startling transition um well I've got two actually one of course was the death of my father which was completely like out of the blue and really choosing to figure out what my life was like you know and how to deal with that at that time I did not have any personal growth tools and I was a huge repressor because like that's just how I needed to do things you know like I, I didn't know how to deal with these emotions and my my mom didn't know how to do, deal with those emotions and I'm really grateful for this work because it's allowed me to take a look at that and like move through it and then also like my dad is one of my most favorite people now because we have such a delicious relationship um and then you know moving to Toronto like I did not move to Toronto by choice <laughs> it was kind of an accident where I came up and then I was doing a job interview and I went to fly back down and then got told that apparently one of the times that I came through the border they did not recognize it or it didn't register on the system and so I wasn't allowed to go back to my home for like you know I wasn't allowed to go back to America for six months was, <laughs> so I was like oh I guess I live in Canada now and that's that's how I how I moved to Toronto. Um, that was great because I, I did not have any real luggage. And, you know, it's been almost three years now that I've been here. And it's been such a great opportunity for me to just re-enroll myself, not only in saying yes to the life that I want, but understanding like that everything is always taken care of. So what is the opportunity that I have now? Like, do I want to continue on with please notes? Do I want to just get a regular job? Do I want to you know, go back to Calgary and go back home. Like, what does that look like? And really allowing myself to step into that. So Trista, how would you describe yourself? First question. Um, yeah, this one's, I don't know. This is like, like truly, this is the hardest question you're ever going to ask anyone. Just to describe yourself, just use some adjectives and, uh, and describe yourself. So I think probably the best thing for me to say is that is that like I can tell you who I like how who I'm trying to be <laughs> who you are evolving into yes I sure. will take that okay you know, there that's we go. I just looked at the syllabus you can do that okay thank you check all right so checks notes acceptable all right good um uh so the person that I'm trying to be and and this is definitely a thing like that's constant ongoing evolution like nobody is one way all the time that's just it's just that's just impossible um but like i have made a very specific and conscious decision to be someone who is um kind first and foremost who doesn't live a transactional life i don't do something for you so that you will eventually do something for me um so like to, to give without without expectation of return um i i definitely like to have fun so i tried i like I think optimism is probably the best way to describe that. Like I try very hard to, to see the upside, right? Like there's lots of super shitty situations um, in the world, but, but the, like there can always be an upside and maybe you don't see it right now. And maybe it's okay to feel terrible today about thing X, but tomorrow thing X could be an amazing opportunity. So I try to, I try to reframe things. I'm, I'm big into gratitude. I like to, um, say thank you a lot to myself, to other people. I like to, um, you know, specifically list things that I'm grateful for. Um, and I like to appreciate the people in my life. So I think this one is one that's, that's kind of evolving for me. Um, you know, I recently had a loss uh, in my life, but, and like every moment up until, till that, till that person passed away, I, would like miss a bus to spend time with them or like 
would be like, I'm so grateful that today I have the opportunity to hang out with you. And I thought that that would make the transition easier. Like I spent all the time that I could and I feel okay about the time that we had together. Um, and that is in no way true. In fact, I think it made it worse. And so as a person who has tried for a long time to like protect their heart and not, um, not so that I don't experience that that like intense pain. I also think that in in the like that that has had the unintended effect of making me enjoy my everyday and my relationships and being present with the people in my life and the people I love um, and my friends and even even just like even my clients, even the people I work with. Like I I you know fuse that together with gratitude. I'm grateful that I get to spend this time with you, but also there you know the like this time is important to me and I and I want to honor the time that we're having together I, I think and which I which I think is ultimately just going to make losing the people in my life so much more painful so that's great but that's all right you know if it wasn't if, if you didn't love somebody it wouldn't be painful when they were gone so that's true and it's interesting that you say that because I feel like one of the um love languages that popped up for me was that quality time is one of your love languages and that's how you also support other people it's just like spending that time um and like let's continue talking about some of the transitions that have gone through um i know that you have switched careers and then also within your business have chosen to kind of shift the things that you're really focused on i know for myself and and i i can say for lisa as well that that's something that we all have to do like just it's this this continual trial and trial i wouldn't even say error it's like the evolution of yourself the evolution of your business it's like oh i'm interested in this or oh this is what people need from me so tell me a lot um, more about like your, your career transitions um and how that has felt like how you decided that it was time for you to move from one thing to the other and then you know we can look at some other some more of your other transitions right so I would say that it, like my, my ability to know when it's time to transition has certainly changed a lot. And a lot of that has to do with the, I mean, I, like that's just a natural thing. I got older, so it changed, that's fine. But it also changed, I think, because of the environment I was in. So the reasons that I chose to leave, say traditional employment, um were were almost looking back now and and i don't think i could i don't think i could have defined this in the moment but the you know they were almost entirely stress-based right like i've just reached my limit of stress and and i think there's kind of a degree of um of control there too right so like i feel like i have no control in this situation nothing like i can't control what i make i can't control if i keep this job i can't control you know when the work comes in i can't control like nothing about my life is in my control um, and I have to get up every day and come here in order to earn money so that I can continue to live. Um, and so I think that, you know, like the ability to quit, the ability to leave a situation allows you, like it allows you to feel like you have a level of control. So I think I probably did some of that to a degree, um, which is funny because I really only, like from the time I left university to the time that I um, decided to leave and become an entrepreneur. I only left two jobs, <laughs> but but within one of those jobs, there were a number of internal transitions. So like, I just continued to kind of be, to look for opportunities to, I, to be fair, I think honestly, just make more money because that, that was how things were framed for me when I was young was that like, you know, get job, do everything you can to keep job and protect job, earn money, have babies, plausibly become a like get married become a teacher so i'm from i'm from london ontario and that's like and i'm <laughs> i'm not being funny when i say that everyone i know who's still living there is married with two children and is a teacher <laughs> anyway <laughs> so uh so i think i definitely like left for control reasons as i started to truly like like stress detox my ability to make decisions about when to leave things became much more intuitive. Um, and I sort of, uh, I, I ended up spending more time kind of like reflecting and looking ahead. So 
the way I kind of decide when it's time to transition, as long as those things are mostly within my control. Um, and, and when it's not like, um, you know, I did look after my mother for the last two years of her life. And to a degree, I could have said, no, you have to go to long-term care. Um, but that wasn't the right choice for me when somebody is passing away or, or like when you think somebody doesn't have a lot of time left, the only thing, my best advice is like, do things that, that you can live with when they're gone. I mean, it's about them, but like, and about how you care for them. But like, if you won't be able to live with yourself, if you send your mom to long-term care, then definitely take her home. Um, and, and that's really kind of where that comes from for me. But, um, to get back to the point, uh, my, my, it's become more intuitive, just that I listen more. I try to look ahead and think like in five years, is this the person, like, who would I be in five years if I stayed here or if this thing continued? And then I try to look at kind of those, um, like, okay, so I would be a, a horrible, terrible, angry stress ball who, who didn't like their life. Okay. So then like, could we change this thing? Like, could I talk to my boss or my manager or could I, could I shift my business to be this? Or could I shift it to be this? Or could I shift it to be this? And if none of those things are acceptable answers, then I will make a transition. And if, and sometimes the transition is uh, transitioning to something more positive within the same situation too. So that's kind of how I, try to look at it I think that's awesome Lisa do you have any input I do I I really love how you unknowingly or maybe intentionally even so I would want to know about that uh, that self-care is really important in order to show up and care for others um, and that that self-care that empowers you to care for others also heightens your intuition mm. uh, so answers my original question of you know what tools did you have uh, to do and in navigating mindfulness a big uh, part for me to sort of share is that meditation that inwardness that awareness of oneself um, is so important to be of service to other people right because our businesses are to be in service to others. Uh, and that's not necessarily possible if you don't take good care of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so thank you for sharing that point, point about taking care of yourself and knowing what you can live with and what you can't live with and filling up your own tank to be able to, to share. So that's a great intro about yourself <laughs> and what you're doing. Awesome. Cheryl? Yeah, so I think the things that really came up to, for me as you were sharing is um, I feel like your journey and like the things that people dictate as being their, I guess, key indicator of what they value to move through, like what they need, is it really sounded like a lot of the things that you were working on were a lot of the paradigms that you had been taught, like really valuing the money and like, oh, this is the incentive, like this is what success looks like. And then as you grew older, understanding that like your own peace of mind and like all these different uh, conditions are what really are valuable to you, really are valuable to you. And that you decided that you want in, um, in your work. It's kind of like when you're young and you're dating and then like, you know, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Well, you didn't know, right? You had to go through that process of dating that man who potentially may or may not have been a little bit on the shady side and like had a really bad like relationship like you let him take you to taco bell for lunch and you are like oh my gosh i'm so excited We're no now bell. you're like i need lobster baby i need lobster you know what i mean your standards just change and i think that allowing that to be a good thing and allowing yourself not to be guilt feel guilty for it is super super important so thank you for sharing that um I feel like, again, for me, it's just, it's the same thing where, you know, like you grow through that and then uh, coming from the space of intuition of like, is this where I want to be in five years? Is this pulling me towards the life that I want to create or not? And like that, like letting that be the thing that leads you towards in your decision making. Does this feel right? Does it feel good? Does it feel natural? Right? So that's delicious. So going back on to more transition. So you had touched on um, somebody that was super important to you passing away and transitioning. Um, did you want to talk about how, or I guess my question is like, how did you process that transition um, in 
and it could be in a very similar way that you did with your career transitions. However, like, and, and also dealing with like the fact that at this point in time, like you have a full-time business, there's a lot of people that, um, and I was actually reading today, especially with dealing with grief, there's all these different traditions and you can tell your employer, yeah, I need a week off or yeah, I need 10 days off. Like I need to handle this for me. Mm -hmm. Um, however, when you have your own business, like there's all this extra stuff that, you know, like we're very hard on ourselves. There's all this extra stuff that does come in and say like, you know, judgments about ourselves and you know, really setting different expectations. So for yourself, dealing with losses and transitioning through that, and then also still running a successful business <laughs> while being kind to yourself. I know that sounds like a hero sandwich. There's a lot of pieces <laughs> and parts. Like, how do you feel like you did that or you are currently doing that? And then if you are still currently doing that, what are your your thoughts as you're going through it when like, again, something comes up that does not, um, does not feel right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the way that I'm dealing with it right now has a lot to do with the way I dealt with it when my mom passed, mm -hmm. um, which is to say that like, when my mom, when my mom passed, like, I mean, it's such a weird thing to say that for somebody who was essentially terminally ill or like had an illness that was, that they were going to die of complications, uh, uh, complications of, of multiple sclerosis um, or of any any autoimmune disease or long-term illness like you know I mean you know cancer is usually the thing that kills you when you have cancer but like you know with MS or Lou Gehrig's or whatnot it's not usually the disease it's usually complications of um, same similar to Parkinson's sort of um, so anyway the um, the like it was still an unexpected passing like she we went uh, on August 31 of 2016, we went to the X and she just started coughing up this green stuff near the end of the day. And I was like, well, this is weird. Like she basically like over the course of a day went from like being normal to having like a full blown infection. And we thought we were treating it okay. And she was always loopy because of the antibiotics. Um, and then finally she kind of started coughing up blood and we were like, oh, oh, this is really, really bad. Um, so we, we took her to the hospital and of course it was really, really bad. Um, and, and then she died 10 days later. So it was, it was unexpected. Um, even though that's such a weird thing to say for somebody that you're kind of like expecting to die, you know what I mean? Like, so like we're in a process of like the end of life now, end of life for someone with MS could be, could be a year. It could, like, it could be six months. It could be two months, um, or it could be 10 years. So, because the disease process is different for everybody. And the, again, those complications, depending on how they're managed, you know, can come or go or, or whatnot. So it was really unexpected, but I also, I wasn't really working at the time. I had like my, my purpose essentially was to be her caregiver. Um, so I did have, I didn't have that many clients. I had sort of like calmed down my marketing activities. So I was mostly operating on referrals. Um, so I, I think I had like one or two projects, um, maybe active at the time um, where I sort of said like, listen, <laughs> like my, my mom's and also we had like a 10-day window I was like hey listen my mom's in the ICU um I I need a little bit of time to manage the situation I don't really know what's going on so like by the time she passed you know like uh, the grief process had kind of started when we started talking like two or three days in when we started talking to the doctors and they were like we don't think her lungs are going to recover and if they do this is not a good life like this is not a this is like she's going to probably be on a on a ventilator for the rest of her life like this is, this is not the quality of life that she wants. Um, so um, with the, the recent passing that I had, it was very sudden, like, uh, you know, the health, health just fell off a cliff um, and they were gone in 24 hours. So that was a very different thing. And now I have like, I have like seven active clients. <laughs> so um, the difference is though, that I had been through the process once, like this is a terrible thing to say, but like my experience with grief was very beneficial to me. Um, but it was like, I did know kind of what was gonna happen. I did know how I was going to, like I had some sense of how I was going to feel. And I kind of had a sense of like, um, like sort of what the process was going to be. That being said, um, the day that he passed, I, I just took the day off. I didn't tell anybody. I was trying to be, I was trying to be a good, uh, a good business owner. Um, but I had, I so after he passed, he passed about four thirty. Um, I like went and took a nap. Um, like I, I, uh, I, like we came home and I, I took a nap um, and had a little bit of food 
and my husband and I kind of like sat around and cried a little bit and, and like chatted about, you know, his life and whatnot. And then we like, and then I did eight hours of work. Like I started at 10 PM and I finished at 4 AM because I knew that that would allow me to not work on Thursday, like on the Thursday and Friday. Mm. So that gave me the opportunity to kind of have four days. So like I worked until 4 AM I put an out of office on that specifically said because of the death in the family, I knew nothing urgent was going to come up. I do have a, a, like a phone system that's just for my, um, that's just for my business. So I put my out of office on like an out of office message on that too. And I was just like, you know what, this just has to be fine. Like I am allowed to take this time for myself. There's no such thing as a marketing emergency. Like no one, like everyone will survive. Even if your website goes down, like everything will be okay. Babies aren't going to die. If babies were, if I worked in a, like if I worked in a place where babies would die, I would have more contingencies. So I think that that really helped, helped me with that. But like, also I was pretty, like I was destroyed. So like, I, I also had to honor the fact that like, I couldn't work. Like I was so irritable. I was so crushed and then getting back to work the following week. So being back on the Monday, like four days was in no way enough time, but that was as much as I could give myself being an entrepreneur. So when I, um, when I got back, like, you know, it, it was just a process of being like honest with everybody and just being like, Hey, so like somebody died. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get through the brain fog is the brain fog around grief and the uh, inability to sleep regularly uh, is just so severe. So I was like, so if I tell you something and then tomorrow I tell you something different and that's unusual for me, <laughs> this is why. Um, and so, and all my clients were really great about it because I don't work with people who, who would be shitty about that. <laughs> like I don't work with humans who would be crappy about this. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, I think that's, you know, that's that's how I, I'm, I'm dealing with it right now. The other thing that I do too is I just really try to honor the feelings. I have over over like 15 years become a person who's like not afraid to have a feeling. Um, I very much was when I married my husband, definitely afraid to have feelings that like the only feelings that were acceptable when I was young were like anger and then possibly like laughter. I can't really say joy because that's not what was acceptable, <laughs> but like definitely anger, super okay. Laughter was fine. Being like on an even keel, the most acceptable, um, or anger. Um, and so when I started having feelings like over, and I realized like, oh, oh, I, oh, I'm, oh, I'm having a feeling. What, what do I do about that? Um, and I decided like the feeling felt okay. And I wanted to keep having that feeling. (laughs) Um, so I, you know, like I've learned to kind of honor my feelings and carve out space for them. Um, and for me, that was just, that's kind of what I'm doing now. So like, if, you know, if I, if something in the house reminds me of him, uh, you know, I, I, and I, and I have, these are actually, there is a technical term for them. They're called grief bursts. Um, But like, and I feel like I'm going to cry about it. That's okay. Like that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that feeling. There's nothing objectively wrong about me crying or getting sad or, and, and that sadness doesn't somehow make me weird or broken. Like I'm sad because I lost someone who was really important to me for 18 years. So, you know, like that's, that's a perfectly acceptable thing. So, um, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not really judgy about, about feelings that way. So I think that's also really helping as well. I love that. And I love the way that you actually pop that in, like those grief bursts, like really understanding that even though like, you're still moving and grooving and still taking, you know, things on as, as easily or as, as much as you can, that there are going to be incidences that pop up. I mean, even for myself, like I can now actually watch funerals on TV. If there's one, like in a show, I can also now, um, I emcee a lot of my friends' weddings. So I can actually now stand in the room with the mother daughter or like the father daughter dance. I could do that. Um, I can also uh, like intro and like st- stand there for the speeches. And you know what, one of the things that I'm really, and, and I know we had talked about this briefly beforehand, really excited about is like really getting at the other side of that. So instead of just seeing the sadness of it, being able to see how delicious that moment is and how precious that moment is. Um, and I know for myself, like I've already planned contingency plans, like all of my uncles or like my brother is going to like, you know, do all these things for me. And then just allowing us to have that particular moment of, of shared conversation or of, of that share. So 
<sighs> that's been, that's really good for me. Um, Lisa. Hi. Uh, really, again, Trista, your shares are so on point with um, this navigating mindfulness intention that Cheryl and I have. Um, for me, the whole experience of awareness and then labeling. So when you describe, you know, the different feelings, I, I would love to maybe put in um, the chart of the emotional wheel chart. So you have like your basic feelings and then you can dig a little deeper mm -hmm. and you can dig even deeper than that. And mm -hmm. all of those, again, leading to awareness and the labeling of so that you can experience that mm -hmm. emotion fully so that it's not holding back and from it, this release of goodness happens. And so, um, I, I do send you thoughts of comfort because I don't know how recent this loss is for you um, and encouragement to continue doing what you're doing. Cause I think it's definitely on point and, you know, congratulations on having seven clients and being able to navigate your way through that and still keep your business afloat. Mm -hmm. So kudos to yeah, I think that's super important, I think, is, um, and a lot of people that are entrepreneurs will understand this, like, at first, when you start off, you'll just take everyone, and mm -hmm. then eventually yeah. you get a little bit more selective within your clients, you know, I have a no asshole rule that I've implemented, oh, yeah. right, that's like, and I actually learned it from you, Lisa, I was like, I kept saying I had a no <laughs> asshole rule, but I'd be like, but what? Um, not no asshole, mine's a little lighter, it's PG, mine's a no jerk rule. Yeah, yeah. That's part of my onboarding conversation. Like before we even start onboarding, as you know, it's like, okay, so we have a rule. And if you're not okay with us supporting you with this overarching rule, because um, in, in one of our businesses, we do phone answering. And if someone is just going to be a jerk to someone on our team, mm -hmm. then they have a pass to say, you know, you can call us back when you're, you're ready to be supported. I'm not here for you to unload on. And, and that really also, like you said, Trista is like, you don't have anyone that you work with that wouldn't understand what a loss in the family means and requires in order to continue to be your best self to support them and service them. So yes, yay to the no asshole and yay to the no jerk. Rules. No jerk. Mm -hmm. And so like, I love how you're able to display because I think especially as being a woman in business, there was this whole conversation around like how we used to have to be quote unquote, really masculine in order to uh, be professional. Like we weren't able to share like, hey, yeah, I'm having difficulty breastfeeding or hey, yeah, I've yeah. had a really long night. Like, and then being able to not only have those conversations with our clients, but also be leaders and show our clients that it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay yeah. to um, allow things to like things come up and you don't have to be the person to handle everything right now in this second. So again, thank you for that. Um, moving forward, uh, I have, this is, this is one thing I think is delicious. I mean, everything is, let's be honest. Um, so I have a particular mantra that I usually say when things get really, really difficult for me. Um, and, uh, and Lisa knows my experience, especially moving, when I moved back to Canada, moved back. When I came back, um, she was one of the first people that were like, oh my gosh, you're here, let me grab you. Like, let's hang out, let's do something. And it was just like, and I think at that time, I was still in this space of shock of like, oh, I just lost my whole life. Like I, yeah. like I don't have, like I have to clean out my office. Like, like I had to tell my roommate, like, don't pick me up. I'm not coming back. Like I have to buy clothes because I have no clothes, like all these different things. And she was just like, yeah, here, just scoop me up like a little babe. And was like, I'm going to take care of you. However, the mantra that I kept telling myself or the, the verbiage I kept telling myself is like, everything is always working out for me. Like, I know that the universe has a plan. I know that things are always falling into place. I, and I might not be able to see it right now and that's okay. I trust that this is working out. So for you, was there one piece of advice or like a mantra that you like to hold on to that has helped you move through a lot of these difficult transitions, whether it's like switching companies, you know, leaving one place, starting a new place, or even again with the transitions with some of the people that you've lost in your life? Yeah, this is so interesting. So uh, I am... So I, I, I kind of fall on like a weird spiritual spectrum, <laughs> which is that like I, one of my reasons, one of my issues, like one of the things that really prevents me from connecting with traditional, um, traditional uh, religion is that like, 
is that someone has a plan for me um which which is funny because like in my most like woo woo connected moments i do feel like there's like we're all here for a purpose and like we're on a specific journey and if you are one of the people who believes in the idea that you chose the life you're currently living um then like what does that mean for you like if i chose this and there have been a lot of you know things in my life that have been horrible there's also been lots of things in my life that have been wonderful then like you know did did like if I chose this, this life for myself, like the spiritualness and like my soul and the, the magic fairy dust that makes up humanity um, or makes up our spirit, you know, if I chose this, then like, what, it, what am I here to learn? So these are the things that I, like I, you know, when I'm like pouring milk into my, or cream into my coffee in the morning, like these are the things that I'm like, I wonder what would, what would it mean if I chose this? Anyway, so so like truly i think that like i my mantra is the same but the things that i have kind of one thing that i've always kind of consistently said to myself over time or like that i've always really believed is that like life will support me mm. um and over time that has evolved into the universe has my back um which i know is a thing gabby bernstein says but i like it's one of my it's, favorite books yeah but it, like also though like it really that that phrase really connected with me in a very like in a very specific way. I was like, ah, oh, that you know when you hear something, and you're like, now that makes sense. That's a thing. That is true to me. Um, and I also like to tell myself that there's magic in my life. Um, and so when it comes to to life will support me. That's the thing that I've said to myself since I was a teenager, and I had to leave home. So like when I was 16, I had to move out and get a full time job and still finish high school. Um, so I've essentially been on my own since then. Um, and and like things just kind of always worked out for me you know the same way that like you know like life is always like things are always working out for me and whatnot like even the apartment that i am currently sitting in right now i had i had one month to find a new apartment move my husband and i before my mom ran out of care because she was she came home from the hospital she had fallen in the community and eight months later of rehab quote-unquote rehab later um she was being released back to home her care providers in london were actually like this was very generous of them they gave her 24-hour full-time care at home for 30 days so i had from april 1 until april 30th to get an apartment like to find an apartment move myself <laughs> and my husband and then and then go get my mom um, and so, or sorry, no, it was actually, it was technically two months, but I had one month for us to move because she was coming home. She was released on April 30th and she, I had one month. We moved her on May 31st of 2014. And so she, like I had, so I had 15 days. I feel like I moved, I had 15 days and then we went and packed her house and drove her here. And, and like the way I found this apartment was so weird and serendipitous. And like, if I tried to recreate that series of events, and like what led to me getting this perfect apartment. I mean, it's a Toronto community housing building. They have a, like right in their in their like code of what they do and, and in their bylaws, they have a commitment to accessibility. So putting in a ceiling lift for my mom was no problem. Um, in fact, they were fine with that when the super showed us the apartment the first time. It, my mother-in-law was like also like kind of serendipitously in town and came with us, just came with me to see the apartment the first time. Um, and so like we were standing and, and she was like, well, you know, it might be tough for your mom's wheelchair to get over the hump, it, like over the, the doorstop into the apartment. And the super was like, oh yeah, you can just put a ramp out there if you want. And I was like, what? And like the door, all the doors had except like were all accessible. They all like you press a button and they open. So, or you, you wave your fob and it like it opens. So like we couldn't have lived in a more perfect place. And then it turned out long-term, this was the best possible place for us to live. Um, it's also very reasonably priced and the community here is wonderful. So like, but like, I couldn't have engineered those things. I couldn't have made those things happen if I tried. And so, and it's always just kind of been like that for me. Like things have just fallen into place when I really need them. And I don't mean that like I have to be desperate in order for things to happen in my life. That's not what I mean at all. I just mean like when I really need them, like when I left to do this, to do this, to, to run this empire, <laughs> I quit my job uh, working at Factor, which is the Foundation Assisting Canadian Talent on Recordings. It's an arm's length organization um, from the government. They administer funds from the Department of Canadian Heritage and they support music, uh, mu like Canadian musicians in a variety of different ways. Uh, look them up, they're an amazing organization. 
everybody but Rush, who's Canadian, that you've ever heard of, um, with the exception of Arcade Fire. Uh, so Arcade Fire and Rush, those are the two. Oh, and Justin Bieber. Uh, they've all you. They've all got factor money, um, and so they're wonderful. I was the executive assistant to the president during a like a pretty significant transition time for them, um, and like <laughs> the day I left Factor, I like called my husband, who is a carpenter, and that's important to the story. But I called him and said. Um, you know, today's, this is it. Today's the day. Today's the day I quit. Like, I can't do it anymore. And he was like, okay, uh, no problem. Um, I will, uh, I'll talk to you about it later though, because I've got wet glue. And I was like, amazing, bye. And like, that's, and then I wrote a resignation letter and that's how I quit my job. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a job to go to. I was like, whatever, I can build websites. I'm going to build websites. That's what I'm going to do. I also left to run an online film magazine, which is kind of neither here nor there, but, um, but like, I was just like, that's it, I'm done. And, and life did support me. Like I was able to earn an income that, that, that got me to here. And, and yeah, so life will support me. Another one, there isn't a long story behind this, but it is a thing that's kind of always stuck with me. A uh, person in my life who, who shall not be named, um, uh, he always used to say to me, you write your own biography, which I think is funny coming from that specific person because like the biography he wrote is pretty shit. But, um, but I do think about that, right? Like, is this, if, if someone were to write this in, a, in the book of my life, is this a thing I want written? What would, what would they editorialize about this? Like, how would this kind of look, not so much like look to other people, but like, is this a thing I want someone to say about me when I'm gone? Mm -hmm. um, so that's one that I kind of like check myself with, but like life will support me is my mantra. I love that. Um, I have one of the mantras that I love, of course, I've already said like, you know, everything is always working out for me. Everything is falling into place. And it's so funny that um, you mentioned Gabby's Ber Bernstein's book because Lisa, like as I was talking about that trip that when I first got here and Lisa snatched me up, we actually ended up at Yorkville Mall to go and get like an American girl doll for her daughter or get like her American girl doll, like her hair washed or something. And as we were going to the Indigo, I saw that book and I was all like, I feel like I need to buy this book. I don't yeah. know why I've never yeah. seen it before. I've never seen the cover of it before, but I'm like, I feel I need to buy it. And then I hummed and hawed for a bit and I was like, no, like I'm like, I, when I, get a hit from my intuition, I bought it. And honestly, that book was one of the things that really took me through that period of transition. And I think like, even with like a lot of the judgments I had for myself for creating that situation, like how, to, again, how did I create this? How did I put this together? Like, what was the purpose of it? And at that time I wasn't sure I couldn't see it. And now I understand it now that I'm on this end, but just to continually to, to, to always like, just look for the positive, come back and like, you know, reground yourself. Like, what is it that you want? What do you want to create? And just like allowing that goodness to happen to you. One of my favorite mantras has always been, um, since like one of my friends introduced this to me years, years ago, right when we just started Please Notes and it was life loves me. And just looking in the mirror and continually saying like, life loves me, life loves me because we do live in a few friendly universe. Things are always working out for us. And I think the more that we decide that that is our base level, that is our belief system, yeah. then the easier it is for the universe to support us, to give mm -hmm. us the things that we desire, to like surprise and delight us in the most delicious ways. Mm -hmm. However, if we don't expect good things to happen to us, then they won't happen to us, right? Oh, Lisa. Yeah, um, so I, I, I am going to plug your, your please notes, um, sticky notes. Because plug my that, sticky notes. <laughs> I am because it's, it's my favorite giveaway to people when, um, you know, and thanks for sharing the story about when you, when you landed in Canada. So yeah, those are my favorites. I, I do give them away, um, because it stays with people, right. And you can't always be with people. So, um, I love seeing my daughter write on them and then she'll stick them. And I know she's seeing it, whether she's conscious of it or not, she's seeing life loves me. She's seeing I'm, you know, worthy. What, you know, all these things. Oh, yeah. that, um, but life loves me is, is, is quite frankly my favorite because it's, it's the overarching theme, right. Of, of what we're trying to accomplish. So um, yes, I do buy them and I, and I do give them away. <laughs> because they're great. Um, and, and Trista, to your point, yes, I think, um, life is going to be what you make it. I mean, there are reggae songs for that. There are, um, um, th there's always 
tips to to what it is that your next best step is going to be and you do have that conscious choice of, of making the switch to either feeling bad or being victimized and there's nothing wrong with experiencing those however when you're ready to shift and create the life that you want it's great to hear life loves me because then it's it's, it's it almost adds into the courage bucket so thank oh, you for yeah. your lovely shares and um yeah i really what a great conversation today yeah i love this it's so delicious and i mean i think what was something that popped in when you were sharing um was oh I, I think I lost it if, if it comes back then it comes back um but you know really taking the time to decide like what again what we want our our futures to look like what do we mm -hmm. want to leave behind what is our legacy and it doesn't have to be big you know some people they're the thing that they love doing is supporting people like I don't like I had a cleaner um back when we lived in West Hollywood Betty was amazing she had she was this gorgeous mexican woman she had the brightest smile and she would just come in and be like i take care of you everything is handled come through you come back home and the house just feels like a fairy went through it oh and you God. know it's because she loved doing what she was doing she would take care of the animal like all these different things but it's like this is the legacy that you leave behind it's this legacy of love and that looks different for every single person and it doesn't really matter like what it is that you do it's just like if that thing like you up if that thing like makes you really happy like that's that's what we get to step into and practice stepping into more and more every single day mm. okay so with that of course we're gonna have to say goodbye to our lovely Trista soon um I'm honestly I had one idea of what this conversation would bring and it's been so much more than that. So I want to thank both of you for being, bringing all the magic, bringing all the juice, Lisa for giving us this delicious background to look at in the, in the woods. Um, last thing is what is something like, how can people find you? First of all, what would be the preferred way for them to interact with you? Whether it's for branding, marketing, getting this website designed. She's amazing when it comes to branding. I actually have to go through a rebrand soon because it's our five-year anniversary. And um, the Please Notes logo needs an update. Girl, don't get too excited. Calm down. I'm palpitating. I'm figuring it out. Um, but <laughs> what is, if people want to reach out to you either to learn more about you, to get some marketing tips, um, some more branding, et cetera, et cetera, or... Um, and I know that there's some additional things that you're offering as well. What is the best way to get a hold of you? And what is something that you want people to get involved with that you are working on? Yeah. So, um, so kind of three ways uh, to get in, well, two ways to get in touch with me and one that's just exciting and, 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 and I'm really jazzed about. Um, so if you want to work with me personally, um, you can find me at tristadevries.com and that's where I do um, sort of my, my VIP stuff. So that's where I do brand design, that's where I do web design um, and, uh, and, and, and sort of associated marketing. I don't do too much marketing just like in and of itself anymore. I like to work with people long term. So if we've built your brand together or we've done something along those lines, I'm happy to support you with marketing. But like coming just in tactically, that's... It's not my favorite thing, but I'm always willing to have a conversation. Um, if you are an entrepreneur who is just looking for um, support, so if you want brand support, but you don't have five to $10,000 to hire a brand expert, uh, you can find me at bigthrivingbrands.com, um, which is where I offer info products um, and, um, uh, and additional learnings and you know blog posts and all kinds of things. And there's a quiz there that you can take that'll tell you what um, what stage of business you're at, like it defines what stage of business you're at and then gives you some supports and things you can do next. Um, so that is, and that's all free. That's, I mean, there's courses and things there that you purchase, but like that, that I just talked about there, your little, your little branding roadmap, your actions roadmap, that's free. Um, and finally, um, we're coming into the end of phase one and into phase two of something that I'm really passionate about. Um, I run a group called uh, ladies on learning racism. And so I've worked with um, three amazing uh, black women to create a series of um, uh, workshops um, on unpacking and unlearning anti-black systemic racism. Um, so, so far we've covered um, topics like the historical context of systemic racism for anti-black racism and inequity, white privilege and fragility, microaggressions on conscious bias, etc. Um, and so we're heading into phase two um, and you can find all of that on ladiesunlearning.com. 
the workshops are $47 a piece. They are, um, so that's very reasonable. You can also buy um, a pack of them. Um, and so in January, we will be launching or releasing like phase two of that. So there'll be a whole bunch of new topics that are just as wonderful. Um, and uh, I can't stress enough how much you, we, we all need to, to get steeped in this kind of education and start, you know, questioning the powers that be, right? So like you can't ask questions of your representatives and you know, like your MPs or your provincial people or your local counselor, unless you have the tools to ask those questions. So, you know, you can't question somebody on why specifically they didn't, they didn't vote to defund the police in Toronto if you don't really know what you're talking about. Um, and that kind of like very specific questioning and holding them to account is really what will help to make change um, across the world. So that's where you can find me. So ladiesunlearning.com, bigthrivingbrands, and tristadevries.com. And Tristad <laughs> so yeah, we're just going to hunt her down. All the links are going to be in the show notes. So check that out. Um, and then one quick little mention on that anti-Black racism thing. So I have known, again, I've known Trista for a hot minute. And um, especially since a lot of this anti-Black racism has been coming up, a lot of unlearning that's been coming up. I'm seeing more and more people that are using this opportunity as something to cash in on. And I've also seen a lot of my friends who are just very know that this is a problem, that they need to be the ones to like lead their own learning. However, the people that are facilitating some of these things are not accomplished. They're not qualified. They have like, again, it's, it would be like the um, blind leading the blind in regards to, uh, and I'm going to just say it like non people of color leading some of these sessions, but they don't have any of the contacts. It's like, I'm attempting to tell you what chocolates taste like, and I've never tasted chocolate, right? So one of the things that I appreciate about this is that you're doing it from the space of allyship, and then stepping up in leadership in, in that context, and supporting these amazing other women of color in sharing that and having that conversation, so that you are not only showing up as like, yeah, I'm on board, but I'm also in it, and I'm going through this process too. So I love, I love that Mwah, chef kiss. Um, so with that, um, that's been today's episode of Navigating Mindfulness. We were talking about transitions, transitions through loss, transitions through jobs. And then again, lastly, transitions through unlearning some of this like racism and anti and biases that, you know, we all innately have. The more we practice moving through these, understanding like, oh, this is a problem. Okay, well, this is the next solution and moving through it. It makes it easier. Uh, Lisa, do you have any last words? No, uh, other than thank you to to our guest here, Trista. Good luck with everything that you're doing. Really love. I will be reaching out to you and checking out your links. That's it for me. That's it. All right. Well, have an amazing day, everybody that's listening to the gorgeous ladies that are on this amazing podcast with me. Um, it's always my pleasure to to have these conversations, and you know, I'm I'm doing it completely for my own like selfishly <laughs> like I love talking to people and I love learning about people and if these conversations um, support other people in doing the same and growing in um, becoming more of themselves having a little bit of that inspiration feeling a little mo bit motivated um, then why not right so thank you so much have a, an amazing rest of your day and we'll see you next week Yay!